your source for all things Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks. With your hosts, Jordan Linscott, David Barnhouse, Nick LePage, and Kevin Musto. You're listening to the Stickblade Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to another edition of the Stickblade Podcast, which is a Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks Red Rivals podcast. We cover all things Detroit Red Wings, all things Chicago Blackhawks, and just general news around the league. We are officially underway with hockey season. That is right, hockey is back. The preseason has officially started. What better way for this podcast really to start it than with the uh, the two games between the Red Wings and the Blackhawks. On tonight's schedule, we're beginning actually talking about those games. We're going to be talking about Ottawa signing Thomas Chabot at an 8x8, Mitch Marner signing a 10.9x6, Brock Besser's 5.88x3, Travis Konechny's 5.5x6, and then Charlie McAvoy signing for 4.9x3. We're going to just talk about the Kuznetsov suspension really quick, and then we're going to be talking about Dustin Bufflin taking a personal leave from the NHL. So that's sort of the breakdown of tonight's schedule. Uh, since this is a Wings and Blackhawks Black podcast, we'll go ahead and just jump right into that news first. Um, preseason is officially underway, and like I just mentioned, the Blackhawks and the Red Wings were the first two games of each other's preseason schedules, so kind of fun for us as a podcast to sort of watch these two teams go at it nice and early. I didn't get to watch the games because, admittedly, I was at work because I got to be the adult, I guess, um, but... What were your guys' general opinions on the games that you saw? I thought uh, I thought they were two really good games. Um, you know, the young young guys making a standout from both Detroit and Chicago. Uh, the prospects came to shine. Uh, Alex Nylander looked great. Adam Boquist looked great. Kirby Dock obviously under concussion protocol. But yeah, it was it was interesting to see all these guys that are fighting for a roster spot because they're so limited on the Blackhawks with nine guys battling for four spots. So yeah, it's, it's a strong competition right now and things are starting to shape up in what we'll see in the regular season roster. Yeah. Preseason is always fun to watch. Obviously not quite as fun as the regular season because you know, you're icing rosters that aren't that strong. And then when you have your veterans out there, they're not always competing at their highest level, but who you do have competing at the highest level are the prospects that are trying to compete for a roster spot. And we definitely saw that in these games, as Nick mentioned on the Blackhawks side of things, Alex Nylander looked very strong. Dominic Kubalik was another one. Those are guys that I think uh, are going to end up making the opening night roster because they had some very great showings. And uh, overall it was uh, just a lot of fun to (laughs) finally be back into the hockey season and a great way to start off by having the Red Wings go against the Blackhawks. Yeah, Kevin, you mentioned Kubelik. Uh, you know, all offseason they were talking about his shot and how lethal it is, and this is like our first chance to really actually see it. And, man, he, and yeah. he, he's wearing that number eight. He's sniping from uh, Obi's kitchen. Yeah, no kidding. You think he's looking up to uh, the great eight? I mean, if there's anyone to uh, model your shot after, that's the guy to uh, look up to and, 
And Kublik's shot, that thing is lethal. I mean, it, that, I mean, when he gets the puck off his stick, like it's in, it's in the back of the net, like in a split second. You blink your eyes and it's it's in the net. Yeah, game one, game one in Detroit, Jimmy Howard, uh, I don't even think he'd seen the shot, but made an amazing kick save, but then Kublik buried two goals shortly after that. So, yeah, I mean, Kublik was inches away from a hat trick. He really stood out this preseason so far. Uh, he's got a few more games left in him. Um, another guy I really liked was Philip Holm. Uh, he's one of those guys I think should be the seventh defenseman. He's a true offensive defenseman. He's joined the rush. He had a goal right outside. He got out of the penalty box and found an open area in the slot and sniped one past Jimmy Howard. So he's one of those guys I'm actually looking out for because, you know, he was a late signing this offseason, but he looked really sharp in the three games he's played in so far. Yeah, KHL All-Star, uh, Philip Holm. So, he, yeah, he could be vying for uh, a spot as a seventh defenseman on the team, uh, or they might send him to Rockford, have him be more of a, a mentor-type figure for the younger guys there. We'll see what happens. But uh, he definitely uh, surprised a bit because I don't think he was really on the radar for anyone, but uh, he had a good showing. I remember I saw the clip of uh, who's Adam Boquist on uh, yeah. Facebook of that awesome little catch he had in the air, and he actually took it around and, and got the shot off. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, that oh, was yeah. a nice short side snipe. And then there's the one. Uh, just I mean, he didn't score on it, but he got a pass last night. Actually, oh, through the legs, yeah. Dangle it through the legs. It's true. It, it was in Patrick Kane fashion. So we really got to see that offensive upside in Adam Boquist. Obviously, an offensive defenseman, but yeah, he's lethal. He's dangerous with the puck, and we're we're getting to see what he could really do. And he's he's confident when that puck's on his stick. Yeah, uh, on the Detroit side, it was really fun to watch. Like you guys were saying, the young guys playing. Um, Taro Hirose just keeps surprising me with just how good he is, like and how ready he is. Like I just remember we signed him middle of the season last year and i was like uh i guess he'll just go down to grand rapids or something but no he stepped right into the first team and was playing well and then i thought well i guess he's just you know he's young and he's fresh compared to these guys and we'll see how he does when you know the new season starts and he's starting over and he still was just looking great and i mean he scored last night um zadina assisted valeno just still looks like how we've been hoping Valeno's going to be in Joe um, fucking Valeno, <laughs> Joe fucking Valeno. I can't believe he dropped that far in the draft. Oh, he looks good though. Joe Valeno looks really good. Uh, he, dro- he drove the net with confidence against the Hawks last night. So mm-hmm. yeah, your boy's looking good there, David. And then, uh, I also have to bring up just cause it was just beautiful to see, uh, Joe Hitkits, you know, he, uh, was paying homage to, uh, Nick Cronwall with a little Cronwall hit of his own, uh, the first game. It was pretty nice to see that too. Oh yeah, I'm trying to remember who that was against, but that was a nasty hit. Um, I was just watching a clip of it. I think it was against. Was it against uh, Anton Vadin? I think got hit. Let me see if I can find it. I have the clip of it right. Anyway, I, I I remember the hit because it was a good one. He like he faked the guy making it look like he was gonna play the puck, and he just took him down. All right, yeah, number then, fifty-seven. Who's number fifty-seven? That'd be Vadin. Okay. Yeah, so it was Vadine. I think uh, I think he Vadine ended up receiving a suicide pass from Smith, and it put him in a really bad position. <laughs> it's like, hey, sorry about this, but you're gonna you're gonna take this. Sorry. I tell you what, boys, we uh, we I mean, I know we only played two times a year now, but uh, this preseason, 
it, the chippiness is there. Like, though, I mean, I know we're not the rivals we used to be, but it, it, the preseason looked like we were true rivals. I mean, game one, Andrew Shaw yapping at, I, I forgot who he was yapping at, but he was going, he was ready to scrap with, I want to say it was Giovanni Smith, but I'm not positive. Giovanni Smith did get in a fight. Yeah. On a scrap that, with Gilbert, right? Yeah, that was game yeah. two. Game two, Giovanni Smith, he wanted to fight. Right after he got out of the box, Yanni Smith went after uh, at Taves, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. He was yeah, going off. Yeah, I, I mean, it. there was a scrap with Dennis Gilbert and Gianni Smith. That was a good fight. You know, some old school hockey fights right there. But yeah, the chippiness was there, and uh, yeah, you can see all these young guys battling for positions, and it's it, it was exciting. I've I've always loved this rivalry. Like I hated the Avalanche for many years, and I just I didn't like Chicago. And I loved like the little chippiness rivalry we always had. Like one of my favorite things was uh, Patrick Kane when he had it, he always dangled his mouth guard out of his mouth, and Franz and like took it out of his mouth and dropped it. <laughs> that was it's always funny. It's the little things that get and get on everybody's nerves. Oh yeah, it's great. But yeah, a few more a few more guys I had uh, just you know that I've liked throughout these two games that I've watched between the Blackhawks and Wings was uh, we talked about Vidin Vidin. He's great. He was great on the penalty kill. Uh, two two way game attacks the puck. He's uh, one of those guys that the Hawks are kind of missing to help out the defense. So I'm hoping we see him on the roster because the penalty kill looked good when he was on it. Kevin Lankinen, the IIHF star, uh, can continue to look dominant against the Red Wings in the first game. And then Alex Nylander looked like a true top six forward. I think he's going to be playing with Kane and Tate to start the year with a goal and assist in the first game, and then a versus the Capitals, and then an assist versus Detroit. Yeah, it's definitely looking like Jeremy Colleton wants to play him on the top line with Cannon Taves, and I think that is the perfect spot for him. Yeah, I mean, you got to play with stars to play like a star, so this should be this would be a good chance for him to develop into the true NHL uh, stud that he was projected to be. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to catch all of the games, but uh, if – if you're listening to this podcast, there's actually a YouTube channel, which, at least if you're a Wings fan, I recommend you guys uh, checking out. The guy's name is uh, Awood40. He does like a whole bunch of like recap-type videos. I really enjoyed what he highlighted of Moritz Slider. I thought he looked very good against perfectly competent competition. He surprised the crap out of me from what I saw. Yeah, we forgot to mention Cider. Um, he looked really great like on the power play, just the way he really quarterbacks and quarterbacks the power play and how he just confidently holds the line on the back end i thought he looked really good mm-hmm. yeah he looks confident out there it doesn't look like this uh big stage is phasing him much it looks like uh i mean i know it was question marks the day of the draft when i was been drafted up but he looked very confident on the ice and looked like he knew like, he was in the right position like you said kevin quarterback in the power play so yeah, yeah, very yeah. steady steady d-man for sure they're uh, just I guess a little takeaway that I saw based on the clips that I've seen anyway. Uh, Michael Rasmussen, I think it's definitely clear that he's going to be going down to Grand Rapids this season. Um, I don't know. Maybe you can uh, comment on it, David. But from what I see, it just it still seems like he's got a couple things to fill in with this game. He just Last season, he kind of got forced onto Detroit's roster because he wasn't really going to do anything at the level he was playing at the season before, which I think it's I think better that we figure that out now, now that he's actually AHL eligible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's he's shown moments. Like, he scored last night. Um, no, not last night. The first game against Chicago. Um, and he looks good, and I know they're wanting, they're wanting to develop him into a center. Um, more so I think spending time in Grand Rapids letting him develop letting him get comfortable 
is probably the best thing for him right now. I'm sure we'll see him a good amount this season in the red sweater, but I think he still needs some time to develop. So does anybody have any other takeaways from these two games before we uh, move on to the non-Hawks and Wings news? Uh, Yeah, just, I guess, one more. Or two more things. Uh, Corey Crawford is the clear number one. I don't think uh, – I think Robert Leonard is going to be the true – And I mean, they're going to split quite a bit of time, but he's a clear-cut number one. Crawford just looked better and looked healthy, and Robert Leonard did in game one. And then uh, one last thing is I, it doesn't look like Adam Boquist is going to make the opening night roster. He'll be probably down in Rockford, as it seems, because he was practicing with the first – the uh, first practice squad today, and that uh, was consisted of all the AHL guys. So expect his name being sent down to Rockford in a couple of days. And again, like I think that's the right move for Boakfist because we've seen that at the NHL level, he can be an offensive superstar. That part of his game is, is developed, and it's great, but he still has some other things to work out, like his play in the back end and, and you know, overall just kind of tweaks he has to make to his game. And so he'll he'll get the development he needs in Rockford. Oh, I, and I guess a few more things, but I agree, Kevin. Uh, yeah, I think he needs to develop first. You know that offensive upside is there, but he just needs to get that defensive mentality going. Uh, Kirby Doc is currently in concussion protocol. Um, I believe I probably mentioned that before during the game recap. And then, uh, oh, I'm I lost track of my – Oh, and Calvin DeHaan, he looks like he, he yeah. seems like he's going to be ready for opening night. It seemed out of reach, but DeHaan is seemingly preparing to be ready for opening night in Prague. Which is crazy because the initial timeline, I think, was he was going to be out till November or something. So really ahead of schedule. So he might be there opening night. If not, he might he should be there for like game two or game three. So he'll get a, an early start with the team. Uh, so that's really good news for the Blackhawks. Do you have any takeaways, David, before we transfer out of the segment? Nope. I'm excited to see more preseason hockey, though. Hockey is back, boys. Okay, we'll, we'll transfer out of the Wings and the Hawks news, and then we'll start talking about the rest of the league. Uh, the first thing we'll talk about, the Ottawa Senators signed uh, Tom Shabbat to an 8 by 8 And before we say anything really about the sign. Can we all agree, thank you to the Ottawa organization for finally putting money down on players and putting a roster together that looks thank like it's going to be sticking thank together God. for more than one season? Oh, yeah, my like God. A, it was like a, it's like a carousel over in Ottawa. Usually you, just, you come mm-hmm. there for uh, a cup of coffee and you're out the door. But, yeah. <laughs> I was shocked when I saw this. I mean, first of all, like – incredible news for for sense fans i mean they they've gone through so much in the past few years finally they have this beacon of hope this signing that shabbat is going to be here long term a whole eight years and a really good cap hit i mean just think about shabbat like in his prime like think about like a 26 year old shabbat entering free agency he'd be getting way more than eight million a year so really great contract um it's a very team-friendly deal, and wow, like I just didn't expect to see this because, as we've Nick mentioned, it's that constant carousel in Ottawa where they just they develop a lot of great talent and then they uh, they turn them away when it's time to uh, um, uh, spend the money. And that Shabbat's a true cornerstone franchise defenseman too. So it's, definitely, it was a nice deal, like you said, Kevin, team-friendly deal because Shabbat would 
he could command more, way more than that if he entered free agency. So, yeah, I mean, Ottawa's locked up a stud D-man for a long time, eight years, and you got him throughout his whole prime. And, yeah, I mean, Sense fans should be jumping with joy with this because, you know, you're not losing a stud player now. Yeah, and this signals to the fans that, yes, we're keeping our young core, so that means expect to see uh, Brady Kachuk re-signed and, um, you know, all the other guys in Ottawa that are coming up. So, yeah, it's it's, it's a great thing to see. Yeah, with how much of a, you know, hot mess that team was in terms of the Erickson stuff and everything else going on, it's good to see them kind of making the right moves and showing the fans like, hey, we're listening. So it's good. The other thing about this is, I mean, just I think the fact that Ottawa fans are going to be able to, like you mentioned earlier, Kevin, they're going to be able to look at a player and have that player be a face of the franchise and know that he's not going anywhere for a while. That's huge. I think it's just, I think it's good for that organization all around. You get a good player, it's a good cap hit, and it's good for the fan base. Like it's just, it's a win everywhere. Yeah, and Ottawa, I mean, I know we dogged on Ottawa for quite a bit at the beginning of this uh, offseason. Uh, yeah. Some yeah. some say it was too much, but I don't think it was enough. But uh, they got they, I mean they have a future ahead of them. I mean they got prospects like uh, uh, Eric Brandstrom, and then I don't know how to pronounce Varamov uh, or something like that. It was it's the Russian forward that they got from Columbus, Abramov, Abramov, Abramov. Yeah, yeah. So I mean they got some nice Batherson, Batherson. They uh, yeah Batherson. Uh, they got nice pieces. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to take a few years. It's kind of like what the Red Wings went through for these last three years. So, I mean, they're going to be in a sign of rebuilding, but this is a promise to that rebuild. And it'll be interesting because I think now Shabbat, I mean, at the very least he'll be in contention. Well, at the very least he should get, he should be an assistant captain, but he, he should be in the running for captaincy as well. I guess it'll be between him and Brady Kachuk for future captain of the Sens. Actually, can we back backtrack real quick? Jordan? Yeah, we can backtrack. I I was shocked to see that the Red Wings are entering this year again without a captain. Like I thought it was a for sure thing that Dylan Larkin was going to be captain this year, and I I don't understand. Like he's the clear leader in the locker room. Why are they not slapping that C on his chest? I don't think I've met a single Wings fan who has said that there should be anybody else in that position. I mean. I guess maybe they might be trying to wait until right before the season. I mean, because I think who who's they did that with one of their other captains. I want to say it was Zetterberg they did that with. Mm-hmm. They waited until right before the season to give him the captaincy. So maybe that's what Iserman's yeah. doing. I think Iserman is just getting to know Larkin better because I think Iserman, you know, Iserman was named captain when he was really young and. We've seen that happen a lot, and that's a big responsibility for a lot of young guys. And we, and I mean, we as fans know Larkin's capable. I just think Eiserman doesn't want to put this much weight on him until he's sure. And I think he's probably going to do it. I don't think he'll. I don't think we'll go the entire season without the C, but I think he'll do it like probably right before the season starts, like we did with Zetterberg. But yeah, Larkin's the captain. I think. If Cronwall hadn't stepped down, it would have been, I think it would have been a, not a toss-up, so to speak, but I think there would have been a lot of people, like, if Cronwall got the C, people would have been like, yeah, I can see that. He's a, he's a leader on the team. Um, and I think it would just be like, okay, he's just going to groom Larkin for a little bit longer. But with Cronwall weaving, I think that put us in a place where, like, is he ready? Like, he's ready, but let's just be sure. 
Because that's a big commitment to do to someone. I think Larkin is ready, though. I mean, like, you look yeah. at the way that he handles media after games. You look at a lot of the community outreach stuff that he does. He's constantly on, like, their social, like, platforms. The kid has all of the makings of a captain. He's skilled. He, he's not afraid to talk to the media. He puts pressure on himself. That is all of the makings of a captain. He, like, I mean... I'm not gonna, I don't want to compare him to Steve Eisenman, but really, in a way, he is like Steve Eisenman. He took mm-hmm. this team essentially on his back at a point that's very young into his career, and he's absolutely living up to the hype. I, 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 I understand now where you're I didn't know about this Edinburgh getting it right before the season. Uh, I thought I, my little thought was maybe they're waiting for all the young, like their prospects to come up to it then slap it on his chest to show like who's boss around in the locker room. But that makes sense with Zetterberg being named captain right before the season. Sorry. We should have actually probably talked about that in their segment. No, uh, yeah, I, ju- I just thought about that. Sorry about it. Sorry about it's that. Fine. It's fine. Yeah. Sorry, Thomas Shabbat. We didn't mean to cut <laughs> off your air time. <laughs> yeah. Senators. Good job. Shabbat. Congrats. Shabbat to make it up to you. I'll give you a jingle at some point. Uh, speaking of jingles, David, you want to hit it? Marner, Marner. Hey guys, he signed. No more oh, jingles. No. <laughs> uh, the jingle so, died. Way to ruin my jingle, Marner. Uh, yep, the, the jingle is officially dead. So Mitch Marner ends up the signing. One week old jingle. <laughs> <laughs> one week, and it's done. Marner <laughs> is no fun. My goodness. He, he would do this immediately after. He'd listen to the podcast. He's like, I'm just going to look up a random hockey podcast. Oh, it's a nice jingle. Now to ruin it. <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, uh, Mitch Marner ends up finally signing his contract with the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, ends up signing a $10.9 million per year for six years. So not quite the eight year that a lot of people thought he was going to be looking for, but still a pretty huge cap hit. Um, I'm going to be honest here. I don't like the signing at all. I mean, I know you have to play your, you have to pay your star players, but I mean, between Marner and Matthews and Nylander and uh, who else do they have? Tavares. Tavares. (laughs) I mean that those guys literally take up almost half of their cap space at this point. It's forty. Mm-hmm. It's forty point five million of their cap space. Jesus. So just about half. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, uh, Jordan. This is a. Uh, I mean, if you're a Leafs fan, you're excited. But if you're a Leafs management, you know you're screwed in like two years. Uh, this <laughs> is. Um, yeah, I mean, they. It's cup or bust now this year. Like yep. they believe they to win the cup this year, and because it's going to be all torn down after this season, they, they're going to have to. Mm-hmm. There's no way you can pay that many guys that much money and then not have anything happen. It's like I said, it's it's cup or bust the season for them. Yeah, I actually don't mind the signing because just to me, you can't get rid of a player like Mitch Marner. You have to keep him in the system. So for me, it I mean it's it's a large cap hit, but I think Marner is a really elite player in the league, and he's only going to keep getting better. So. I don't mind the deal for Toronto. Me personally, I just think they should have never signed Tavares. I think that was the the mistake um, that they made in the beginning 
because had they not signed Tavares, then they wouldn't have all this cap eaten up between all these players. And they already have their number one center in Austin Matthews. Did they really need to spend all that money on another a sec- a second number one that- center? Uh, they, yeah, put him on the second line. It's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, like, it all goes back to the Tavares signing. I mean, sure, it looked nice. You want to get that prize-free agent, but it's going to bite you in the ass now if you're Kyle Dubas. Yeah, because yeah, if it was, I don't expect Tavares to take a hometown discount either. So it's not a smart move in the long run. Yeah, because if all they had, like if Marner and Matthews were signed for their current cap hits right now you take Tavares out of the equation, just hypothetically he never signed, the Leafs are okay for cap hit. Mm-hmm. They just weren't like, – the management wasn't patient. They were impatient. Like, they waited till this offseason. We've seen a lot of guys sign very friendly deals like Ryan Dezingle and uh, stuff like that um, and or tr- making trades like Alex Galchenyuk, who could be a number two center. It's just they weren't patient last offseason, and, yeah, it's going to be uh, – I mean, I, I know I've said it before. I said it previously already, but it's cup or bust because soon enough you're going to have to break apart a big chunk of this core because you can't afford everybody. Yeah, I think Kyle Dubas was a little too uh, trigger happy. He wanted to make a splash as his debut um, as a new GM for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But I, I to me, that was a big rookie mistake, a big blunder on his part. We, we kind of talked about this. I mean, I think... We all pretty much agree that if the Tavares signing, I think it might be what's going to set this team over the edge in terms of having to be broken apart. I mean, that's a lot of cap tied up in your, in just that few guys. And I mean, man, those guys need to produce at just a ridiculously high rate this season in order for that team to really make those signings look good. Because if they don't even make you know second round of the playoffs this year. I think fans in Toronto are going to be just, frankly, they're going to be pissed off because this team is about to get broken apart once the cap hits for the rest of the team come into effect. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Kevin. Sorry. Oh, no. I mean, I was just going to say, like, yeah, if Toronto wins the cup this season, okay, cool. Kyle Dubas, you, you outsmarted us all. But if you don't, my God, is that a horrible mistake? It's going to be a mess. I mean, they also have to pay... They just, they just got a new toy with Tyson Berry this offseason who's due for a contract, I believe, next season. Yeah, so, he only has one year one year left on his deal. So, yeah, you, you just acquired a stud D-man, and you're not going to be able to afford to bring him back unless you trade. I mean, Nylander's not even going to be enough to trade because I imagine Tyson Berry's going to be asking for more than $7 million. And at so, this yeah. point, Nylander has, like, one of the best contracts on the team. Yeah, and we thought he got overpaid, too. So, yeah. I mean... And they've in like with the playoffs, like we're talking about, like it's winner, but it's winner bust, and they've gone out in the first round the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, like it's the same team. They just got like, what'd you say, Tyson Berry? Yep, Tyson Berry so, in July. I don't think I don't think one player is going to get them out of the next round. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it the playoffs are a different different breed. I mean, we've talked about it before about paying like. Kane and Taves got their money because they won cups, and that was ten and a half. And now you see guys like Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, John Tavares making more money than Kane and Taves, and they haven't won anything. They yeah. they haven't won anything in the playoffs. They haven't showed that they could win in the playoffs, and they're getting paid like they've won multiple Stanley Cups. Yeah, I think since, that's 
since Let's 2014, ahead, sorry, since 2014, uh, finished seventh in the Atlantic, did not qualify for playoffs. 2015, 2016, eighth, did not qualify. 16, 17, lost in the first round two to four to the Capitals. 17, 18, lost in the first round three to four to the Bruins. 18, 19, lost in the first round three to four to the Bruins. So the last two years, they've gone seven games, but that's not looking good. <laughs> you just you know mentioned the playoff stats, David. I mean, you look at this team and. In my opinion, yes, regular season stats matter. I don't think anybody here would deny that. But when you're a player or you're in management and you're looking at a contract, you need to realistically look at what does postseason production look like because that's an actual factor that matters. It's a completely whole different beast than that regular season. And, I mean, like you said, Nick, these guys haven't really done anything anything in the postseason they've made it to the first round and that's it there's no conference final appearances there's no stanley cup final appearances there's nothing to show for this kind of cap money that they're forking out yeah and like you're saying playoff stats matter i mean look at the red wings in 08 uh dominic hajic was like our goalie for the entire season osgood came in you know a good amount but playoff start hajic struggles osgood takes over and just is amazing. Franzen like is great during the regular season, but in the playoffs, he just turns it on. He had like hat tricks and just was just decimating teams. So like you got to look at those playoff stats when you're doing contracts, like you're saying, because players, the playoffs and the regular season are just are two different seasons and everything matters in the regular season, of course, to get you to the playoffs. But once the playoffs start, this is an entirely new season. I mean, you just got to be grateful as a Blackhawks fan now because you're looking at all these guys get paid and Kane and Taves are only making ten and a half. I mean, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of money, but yeah, yeah, I mean, the, we the, we endured our cap hell for a few yeah, years. We did, but I mean, looking back at it now, these are just I mean, these are steals of contracts. I mean, Kane's producing MVP numbers every single year. He's only getting paid ten and a half million. So and yeah, I mean, and then Kane puts on that next level when he goes in the playoffs, and hopefully we see that this year. Yeah, everyone then laughed at us. Now we had to laugh at the rest of the league. No, but really that is the difference, though, I think, with these contracts. I mean, yeah, at the time people were talking about those contracts and saying, like, man, those numbers are insane, but Mm -hmm. they had cups to go with those numbers. They'd shown success, and not just success in the regular season. They had postseason success to accompany those numbers, and that matters to fans. Yeah. Does anybody else have any comments before we move on to the next uh, signing? No, I think that was. Uh, I think that wraps up Mitch Marner. Uh, we'll move on to the next one. Uh, Brock Besser ends up signing a five point eight eight million per deal for three years. So decent bit of cap it, but the term is pretty short for him. Um, anybody want to just dive right into this one? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Go, go for it, Nick. Okay. Uh, you're seeing a trend now. Uh, these RFAs want three-year deals because this is they they enter arbitration starting off at the final head of their cap hit or final year of their cap hit so they're going to get paid no matter what in their next contract but i I like this signing for vancouver and brock besser i think it's a very friendly deal nice bridge deal until his next uh until this contract expires and they they locked up their franchise uh franchise player so a uh, great deal. Besser just stud on the ice, and 
you know, for a team with a bunch of youth and uh, high expectations uh, in the next few years, it's a great guy to lock down right now. Yeah, there's no question the cap hits good. It's just unfortunate that they only got three years out of him. But uh, again, like it's it's good that they have him for three years, even though it's not a long deal. At least they still have him, and they didn't, you know, have they didn't lose him or anything. I mean, Bresser, like he's not really like an old guy either. I mean, this is a bridge deal for him, realistically. I mean, I don't. Know, I, I like the deal. It's not a bad deal in cap hit. The term's not bad. I mean, he has the potential to make more money, which is good. I mean, you're kind of mentioning it earlier, Nick. I mean, these are sort of bridge deals. This is the trend that we're tending to see now. I mean, I, I don't mind the signing at all. No, it's it's a good signing. It's it's not a big cap hit for their star player, and I'm willing to bet once the three years go up, he's going to get you know paid. One of the other signings that we're going to be talking about is uh, Charlie McAvoy ends up signing for... per year, again, uh, for three years with the Boston Bruins. So um, I like this one quite a bit as well. Young defenseman, he's going to get paid. He's, again, just like we're talking about, it's a bridge deal. It's a short term. He's looking to get paid after, and that arbitration does matter when Mm -hmm. they're negotiating. And Boston still has, I think, a decent roster enough where if they see more postseason success and he's part of it, it's just more essentially, I guess, fuel that he has in contract negotiations. So good on him. And it's not bad for the team. I mean, Boston's still, I think, in their window. They still have all of their core that took them to the finals this year. Mm-hmm. I like the signing. Yeah, it's yeah. similar to the uh, the Brock Besser contract, although it's actually even more friendlier for the team. So if you're a fan of the Bruins, uh, this is one to celebrate. Totally. I mean, their core guys like Bergeron, Marshawn, Pasternak are all making under $7 million each as a cap hit. So their team is taking a good discount and you, with how strong their core is. I mean, they, they were just in the Stanley Cup final, and they almost won it. So, yeah, I could see them being another playoff or a, a cup favorite this year, too. I don't think Boston really got worse this offseason. I definitely can see them making another cup run this year. I mean, Almost they still have—they've still got Bergeron. Uh, they still have Pasternak. They still have McAvoy now. Still have Rask. Uh, still have Charles. So all the pieces are still there for this run for them. Yeah, and they also re-signed Brandon Carlo to a cheap deal. Beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's uh, two years at two point eight five. So. You know, another a player who's really important to them. He plays that shutdown role. So all these players that are integral to Boston's playoff success in the past few years, you know, they're all sticking around and they're going to keep fighting until they win that cup. And I think McAvoy is uh, he's from I mean he's from Long Beach, New York, but he went to Boston College or was it Boston College or Boston? Um, I think it's Boston College. You see, it was. Boston College. No, Boston U. Boston U. Sorry about that. But yeah, uh, he's going to be, I think Boston kind of is all pulling on the same string right now. And uh, it's the fact that nobody wants, everybody wants to win over there. They just suffered heartbreak. And I think McAvoy, he's going to be one of those guys that are going to probably take home, uh, hometown discount just because those guys want to win. They're they're in the playoffs every year and they got that core together and they're still all pretty much in their prime. So, uh, nice deal, very friendly team deal, and 
yeah, he's going to get paid once this contract runs up. The final signing that we're going to talk about tonight is uh, Travis Konechny ends up signing for a $5.5 million per four six-year deal. So basically he's going to be playing six years for 5.5. Not bad for him. I mean, the Flyers organization is, I think, really they're wanting somebody like him who they they're going to probably be leaning on for when they get back into the contention window. I mean, well, actually, let me rephrase that. What do you guys think their contention window is going to look like? Open yet, but I think uh, probably next year. Uh, they're lo- they locked up Provorov already. They got Gosper over there. Justin Braun, Travis Sinem, they locked up this offseason. And now Konechny. So they, they locked up their stud forward, their – He's going to be the Claude Giroux's replacement when his time comes. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, I think their window, they maybe they're on a brink of a playoff team this year. But with Carter Hart in net, he's, he's a beast back there. He's a rubber band man. He stops everything. So they could be a playoff team this year, or they could be a true playoff team next year. Yeah, if uh, Carter Hart stays hot, uh, that's a guy that can definitely take you into the playoffs. Definitely, and... Games can be, games are wire lost by the by your goaltending. If your goaltending isn't lights out, it's not going to be pretty for you. And he's shown, like you said, rubber band man. He can stop a lot of things. So if if their offense is clicking and he's stopping things, they're going to be a tough team to beat. I mean, I think the connecting deal to me it it's almost similar to like a uh, almost to like I guess Nyquist, where he's not going to be your star forward necessarily, but he's going to be one of those guys who is crucial to your success mm-hmm. his game kind of reminds me a lot of uh stanley cup champion rob thomas uh a young center they they're both really skilled offensively uh, i think connecting needs to work on his two-way game just a little bit but he's a stud uh in the offensive zone and that's what they're paying him for uh and yeah he's they he, i think he's going to be a really great player for a really long time so uh locking up him was crucial and it's the cheap deal too yeah, for, very yeah, under six mil. So for five point five for six years, like, dang. <laughs> he, like he's no, he's legitimately going. When Claude Giroux obviously age is going to catch up to him eventually. He's going to be their number one center for a long time. They had to uh, make up for overpaying big time on Kevin Hayes. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that that contract still boggles my mind. But overall, though, I think it's not a bad signing for them at all. I mean. He's a future piece for them. He's not, you know, he's not the piece that's going to push them now, but in the future, he's going to be the one who takes over. Um, does anybody else have any other signings that they want to talk about before we talk about the uh, Dustin Bufflin? Uh, just Jared Spurgeon. He got the largest contract in wild history. That actually shocks me considering how much they pay their players over there. Yeah, that's a crazy signing because he's going to be, what, 37 years old when that thing expires? Yeah, I mean, oh boy. Uh, yeah, they. Uh, what were the numbers on it again? It was seven years, fifty-three million. So that averages out to seven point five seven mil. Oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when and, and when when that contract expires, they're still going to be tied to Ryan Suter, who will be thirty-nine, Zach Parise will be thirty-nine, and Matt Zuccarello, who will be thirty-six. Jared's version thirty-four. That's twenty eight point. That's twenty eight point seven mil, tied up to four, four. Am I doing my math right? Yeah, four old players. So yeah, there and you he's go. he's going to be thirty in two months. 
Yeah. This is why we talked about on a few weeks back that Minnesota needs to blow up their team. Uh, although they uh, seemingly are not taking our advice. I no, told yeah. you guys they should have made me GM. They should have because these deals are going to kill them. I would never have made that deal. Just saying, guys. All you Minnesota fans that are listening, it's not too late to recall you know, your GM and put in the, the rightful air. I mean, Minnesota, take notes from the Red Wings organization. This is not how you make playoffs happen. Not meaningful playoffs. Oh, no. as a Hawks fan, I love it. I mean, they're going to be tied <laughs> down to so It is great. It is great. Overpaid <laughs> old guys, and they're going to be terrible. They're going to be terrible for so many years. Like, they're not going to be good this year. They're going to be probably at the bottom of the Central Division. So, yeah, I mean, I love this as a Hawks fan. Yeah, all these old guys are going to be hobbling around on the ice, and all of our young superstars are going to be running circles around them. Get the canes out. (laughs) Uh, Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for the major signs for this week, if if I'm reading them all correctly. Um, We'll go ahead and move on to something a little bit different for schedule. Uh, Dustin Bufflin is going to be taking a little bit of a uh, break from the professional hockey world. Um, basically just saying wasn't really feeling like his heart was in it anymore. Just kind of wanted to take a break and step back. Um, mm-hmm. I think this was really surprising. He's been with a lot of different teams. He's seen success with different teams. He's he's kind of an interesting case study. Yeah, I mean, he's 34 years old. He, he He's getting old, and... You know, good for him. Like, if he thinks this is his time to kind of really step away, he needs to think about it. I mean, Nick Lidstrom probably could have played for another 10, 20 years with how great he is, but he would have eventually slowed down and been forced to retire. I remember Lidstrom was saying he's walking away when he can, not when he can't, or something along those lines. And I think Bufflin's, like, trying to think about and ponder, like, is this what I want to keep doing or should I step away while I still can? Yeah. And I know also uh, Dustin Buffalo was a physical player. Uh, he was a big scrapper when he was younger with the Blackhawks. And obviously he's known for just laying out people, huge hits. So you can only hope that everything's right mentally in his head too. I mean, this is one of those things that's scary. Like when I first seen the news, I got a little worried because I didn't know if something was wrong or something like that. And, you know, Chicago loves big buff. He was uh, part of that, dynamic 2010 Stanley Cup winning team so mm-hmm. yeah uh, all good thoughts to Big Buff uh, hopefully everything's alright and may, this is just a consideration of maybe walking away when you want to walk away sorry yeah the quote was retiring today allows me to walk away from the game with pride rather than have the game walk away from me so yeah like I feel like he was a very physical player and he has been his entire career really and I could just see it. it's wear and tearing on his body so walk away when you can yeah, that can definitely take a toll on the human body. So I wish Dustin Bufflin all the best. But my God, is this horrible for Winnipeg. God, I a mean, team that was like a dark they, horse favorite. They've lost Bufflin, Truba, and Myers. So their their blue line is just completely shot. This was a team a couple years ago that was like dark horse favorites. Like, Oh, they were so fun to watch. To win the cup, they're like, oh, if they win the cup, that's great. Like, they could do it. Like, they're just underdogs. And now it's just like, fuck, what's going to happen to them? 
And if, if Buffalo decides to retire, I believe that cap, or at least part of that cap hit, is still on Winnipeg. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know if they could put him on LTI because there's no really injury there. So or any proof of an injury. So I don't know if LTIRR, LTIR is a thing. That could Take work a baseball bat to his knees. No, oh. don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, because they still got to pay Kyle Connor and Patrick Line still now too. So this offseason is just turning. Is still it's they're going further and further into hell right now. So. Yeah, they're gonna have. Uh, this just adds on to the pile of problems Winnipeg's got. Yeah, it's it, it's crazy how quickly things have turned sour for Winnipeg. Yeah. Aside from the actual situation that Winnipeg is in, though, I mean, good for Bufflin. We kind of talked about this when Nick Cronwell announced his retiring, but it's good to see a player leave on their terms when they want to leave. There's life after the game, and it's better to go out when you're still on a high note rather than get left in the dust by everybody else. I mean, Dufflin still looks like a perfectly competent player in the NHL. Didn't really look like one of those guys. So you watch him night in and night out and ask, what is this guy doing even on the roster at this point? So, I mean, aside from the situation Winnipeg's in, I mean, just good for him for if he thinks this is best for him. You guys are kind of just talking about it, though. I mean, what does Winnipeg do at this point on their defensive end, like Trouba's gone, if Bufflin's gone, like what what do they actually Morrissey, look for? Morrissey's gonna have to be their number one D man, and he's be, got a, a large load to carry. Yeah, it'll be Morrissey and Neil Pionk. This is probably their top pair. Yikes! Yeah, not. I mean, mm. Morrissey's a good D man. I mean, he's Morrissey's great. Pionk, not so much. Yeah, I I still wouldn't put more like it was Trouba and Bufflin as their true top pair. And Morrissey was like that in that second pair, top four. But yeah, now he's got a, he's got a whole workload ahead of him now. I mean, for the Jets, yeah. it's kind of it's kind of show up at this point. I mean, if you if you want to make that roster and you're in their system, I mean, there's going to be a spot open now potentially. So maybe that's kind of good yeah, for the prospect but, uh, pool. Yeah, it's good for the prospects if you know they'll have a lot more opportunities to get more play time in Winnipeg, but. This looks like a team that is going to bleed goals against this season. I, mean, I don't see them being a playoff contender, but I mean, if nothing else, maybe maybe they'll get ridiculously lucky. They'll be bottoming out, and then they'll get Lafreniere, and they'll have the, uh, the superstar forward line if they get a uh, line to resign. Big if. That's a big if. if but big I mean, if, it but would like be crazy I... if it happened. Yeah. Yeah, but Winnipeg, like it wouldn't surprise me if they are a team that's in lottery contention i meant for the line a signing like lottery contention that won't surprise me but line a signing there's still oh line a yeah yeah i don't know what's gonna go that on. that one's there, up but, in the air yeah yeah but uh back yeah i mean just going back to buff all, I, all the best if this is really the end of the road of your career or of his career i know he's not listening to this why did i say your um if this is the end uh I truly was – it was awesome watching him in the Hawks. Uh, Definitely. He was, he was one of the most exciting players out there. He, he's scoring goals at an unreal play, pace in the playoffs, laying guys out, sticking up for his team, sticking up for young Kane and Taves. So, yeah, he's a big part of all these Hawks fans' hearts and a big part of what the Hawks organization was during that time. So, yeah, he's got a special place in my heart. And it's, if this is the end, then hell of a career. Absolutely. Not, not a bad career for him at all. Gets his name on the cup, and he's had good success, so good on him. Mm-hmm. Good for him. 
former Atlanta Thrasher Dustin Bufflin. Nice. That that was don't forget that that was a team that still existed. <laughs> um, I believe that was actually it for our schedule. Kuznetsov. Oh yeah, sorry, Kuznetsov. Sorry. Well, Nikki, you, you kind of stole it. Go ahead and I'll just run through it real quick. Nothing, nothing yeah, super complicated about that. No, it wasn't. I mean, we were when the news came out of the uh, cocaine incident, we were wondering what's going to happen with the NHL this year, and you know they gave him a little slap on the wrist, three games, three game suspension. So nothing big, nothing detrimental to the Washington Capitals this year. But I mean, kudos to the NHL for. Say hey, you're not. You're, I mean, it's gonna be minimal, but you're not gonna get away without a punishment with, for this situation. So, yeah, I mean, uh, if there's a second offense, obviously it's gonna be more serious. But it's just a uh, you know a slap on the wrist for now. But I mean, it's showing that their eyes are on them now. I don't know. Three games to me seems pretty small for cocaine. I mean, I would have expected a fine too, or maybe like five games. But hey, it's if that's what they're gonna do, that's what they're gonna do. Well, I mean, it's just because it's not by the rules of the NHL. It's not. I mean, it's illegal in the government, but it's not written in the rule book that cocaine's a illegal substance like PEDs would be. It's not a performance enhancing drug. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's not. It's not a performance enhancing drug. So yeah, it's not in the rule book. But you know, obviously, breaking laws is going to get you something. <laughs> True. <clears throat> Before we uh, end the show, Jordan, there's one little small NHL news that came out. Uh, they're talking about releasing the salary, projected salary cap a little earlier, like announcing the salary cap a little early before like the end of the season. And I actually, I want to get your guys' thoughts because I actually like what this, what they're gonna do with this, just because it gives team more time to prepare for their offseason moves. Yeah, well, I agree with that because this season we saw a bunch of teams, all the teams in the league were going into the draft and they had no idea what the salary cap was gonna be, and that made it difficult for them to, you know, pull off trades because they weren't sure financially where they were gonna be at. Yeah. And it's I mean, just, it, it, it gives teams a sign to, like, if, if say, if they know, play, like, if they announce it in the playoffs, teams can start preparing to either unload guys or prepare to sign guys for what they can afford. So I, I just think it's, I mean, it's a small, it's a small bit of news, but it's very important for these, like, general managers and franchises. Yeah, it's great to give teams an idea of what they're uh, dealing with um, instead of having them kind of try to figure it out and, you know, plan what they shouldn't have to plan for like it's a great idea and i think it's going to be very beneficial in the future really things that the cap should be projected more than just one season i think it should be projected three or four that way teams know and have no excuse for not having cap space on their books that way they can plan several years out the contract (laughs) systems i mean if you know exactly how much money you're going to have available to you three or four years that basically is a gm that gives you just so much more flexibility in looking at contract situations, what's going to expire and how much cap room you'll have in the future. I don't know. I think it should be a couple of years out. It just seems yeah. like we'd have less of these, I guess. Less surprises. Yes. You wouldn't have these teams who all of a sudden they don't know what the cap's going to be. And then they're fire sailing guys because they had no way of projecting what the cap was going to look like. I mean, the NHL is very notorious for projecting a salary cap that is no, not even close to what, uh, what turns out to be. Because wasn't it, it was supposed to be like 80, 86 and a half million this off season, and 
it only turned out to 83. I mean, 3 million doesn't seem like a lot, but it's a good top nine player that they could have signed and now they're not able to. So yeah, they're not even close to their projections are usually way off. So, but now that these announcements are going to be made earlier, rather than having teams go into free agency, like, Oh, we could sign these guys because the cat's supposed to be at 86 and a half. Now they're going to get a more realistic look at what it's going to be. I mean, 3 million, like you said, it doesn't really sound like a lot, but it's like, it's like you said, it's a top nine player who you could have had in your system. Maybe that's what the Maple Leafs are doing. Maybe they have like a database that projects the salary cap for the next 10 years, and that's why they're signing all these large contracts. So maybe the salary cap jumps up like $25 million. They're out of cap hell. Maybe maybe the salary cap is just going to go away, and they have somebody who's on the inside telling them. Yeah, gonna just go completely back to the eliminates just... payroll. <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, no salary cash, just everybody buy all the stars. Okay. But, but no, I, I do like the idea, though, of them actually saying what the cap's going to be, you know, before that way guys can try to plan for it. Does anybody else have any other news before we move to a piece of uh, a piece of fan mail this week? Ooh, oh, we got fan mail. Let's go right to Fan mail. So our friend Adam writes back again. Unfortunately, Adam's question is about, let's see, was three, yeah, three days too short now, but his question was, which player on each team do you think is going to have the best game when it came to the Hawks and the Wings, Ross, or Hawks and the Wings games? Um, We can each have our opinions on that. I think maybe, sorry, Adam, we're going to twist this one a little bit. We'll say, who do we, what player do you think will have the best preseason based on those games? I know it's kind of not the question you asked, but... I mean, it's kind of the one we well, have to can, roll with now. Well, I to can answer, you, answer his question, uh, um, the games went as I expected. I, I knew that I had a feeling they were going to be close, and I had a feeling we were going to split the games. So, to answer your question, I think it was just going to be whose night was it going to be. So we won. I think both teams won in their home stadiums, which is what I felt like was going to happen. But uh, so I didn't hear it fully. Is he asking like best player throughout the preseason for each team? He was asking. Between the Hawks and the Wings games, like when they played each other, who was going to have like the best game? Like which player? Oh, but yeah, we could we could twist it to what you were saying, Jordan, for who, what we think for the rest of the preseason. I mean, I kind of suggested the twist, so I guess I'll go first. Um, I think that Joe Valeno is going to have an amazing preseason. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> you said his name wrong. Wow! Oh, I you said his name gonna, wrong. I wonder who Kevin was going to pick by that reaction. <laughs> Uh, but I really do think that Valeno's going to have a great preseason. I mean, Fucking Valeno. <laughs> yeah, yeah, say his name right. First of his name. <laughs> are we going to say that? Or are we just gonna, are we just gonna say uh, JFV? Because like you could say that, or you could say JFV, and like it could become a thing. Just JFV. Kind of like JVR. Be... Maybe we could make it. Yeah, JFV. JFV. But when something good happens, if you want to, if he does this season, you just want to. Go off, like, and because you're excited, then you could just let out, let out that yeah. bomb right like there. Like when he scores his like fifth consecutive hat trick game, you know, Joe fucking Bellino. <laughs> Only on special occasions. But go ahead, sorry, George. Uh, but no, I, I really think that he's going to have a great preseason. I mean, he looked great at the prospect tournament. He looked pretty good at uh, two games that the Wings and the Hawks played. He looks like he's going to be taking that next step, and 
I know it's probably going to draw criticism, but I actually think he could crack the Red Wings opening night roster if he continues to produce like that. Oh, like we've yeah. seen him produce at the prospect tournament. I don't think there's any doubt that he makes that roster. David, you, uh, you kind of got mad that I pronounced the name wrong. I'll go ahead and let you go next. I got mad that you pronounced it wrong, and I got mad that you stole him from me. You know he's mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, ah, man. I mean, two guys I, I like looking at, Joe Hicketts and Taro Hirose. I'm going to go with uh, Taro Hirose, though. I think, like I said, watching like the kid dangle the puck and his hockey IQ from last year, um, just seeing him, like there was a video that the Red Wings released on Twitter of like, the warmups before the second game where he's just like bouncing the puck on his stick and then, the, then his skate then back on the stick. And I'm like, like he's got a lot of talent and I think he's going to really shine in the preseason. And I mean, he was on the main roster last year. I don't see any reason why he doesn't continue that trend and stick to the main roster uh, this year too. I, I think he'll probably be sticking around. I mean, pretty unexpected results from him. I think everybody could agree on that. And I, he didn't take a step backwards. I mean, Detroit, nope, he's still going to beat out a lot of guys for the spot that he had last year. So I mm-hmm. think he sticks around. And I mean, oh, definitely. he didn't get worse, obviously. I mean, he only got more experience against NHL-level players. So mm-hmm. Nick or Kevin, we'll have one you guys go next. Who do you think is going to have the best preseason for the Hawks organization? I think there's really two guys to choose from here. So, Nick, which one do you want to pick? I'll take... Uh... I'll take Alex Nylander. Okay. You can go off about Kubli. Go right ahead. All right. Yeah. Then I'll pick Dominic Kubli. He's, uh, <laughs> he's been uh, a real uh, goal scoring threat so far in the preseason. I think we're going to keep seeing that amazing shot that he has. I get excited every time he winds up for a slap shot because that thing just goes booming across the ice. So yeah, just hoping to see more, um, more of that out of uh, Dominic Kubli. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, obviously, like you said, there was really only between two. But yeah, Kubli just I'm I I get excited every time he's on the ice now. Like I don't really get like that, and and like I, like the only person I really get like that for was like Kane and Debrinket. But Kubli, I feel he has that electricity to his game where he could drive the net, but that slap shot that one time it was just ridiculous. And it looked like him and Debrinket had a uh, pretty good chemistry going on out there. So. He's one of those guys that you could be say, uh, seeing play with Stroman DeBrickett opening night. 2020 Calder winner, maybe? I hope so. I mean, it's going to be like a Panarin situation, being an old man and winning the Calder. But I'll tell and then you, we can't afford him? Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I hope that's not the case. But, uh, yeah, I guess uh, with Kubelik being said, I'll start with uh, – I'll finish with Nylander, Alex Nylander. Uh, I'm excited to see him continue to play with Kane and Taves because it's really looking like that's going to be the line that they're going to roll out for opening night. And I know I said it already before, but, you know, playing with stars like Kane and Taves is going to bring out that inner star in you. And he was a former top 10 draft pick, so this could be the year. I know he struggled in the AHL with Buffalo and Rochester. But when he was up in the NHL with the Sabres, he actually showed signs of greatness. And obviously playing with two future Hall of Famers, this this is really going to be a breakout season for Alex Nylander. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see – I'm projecting for their season. I know we're supposed to be talking about preseason, but I think he can score 60 points this year, no doubt. Oh. Yeah, it's, it, it's possible. I think I'd project more in like the 45 to 50 point range, but 
Uh, I'm certainly not going to be mad if he puts up 60. But yeah, so uh, preseason, I, I could see Nylander potting a few more goals, a few more assists with the Kane and Taze line, and uh, it'll continue into the regular season. Okay, well, that's uh, that's everybody's answer. So, Adam, thank you for the question. Unfortunately, we recorded a couple days after the game, so the question was kind of invalidated. Hopefully, at least gave you something, something similar to your question. Um, feel free to write into us again. Uh, we don't get fan mail often, but just getting questions like that's kind of fun. It's just something different to mix up the podcast. Um, that'll actually wrap our schedule for tonight. So, with I just want to do one thing real quick because Adam's written in twice. I think it's only fitting he deserves his own jingle. Oh, oh boy! <laughs> hey everyone, it's Adam writing in. Beautiful, Adams, and now he never writes in again. <laughs> <laughs> you needed something to fill in the void for the uh, missing Marner uh, jingle. Yeah, the, I'm gonna, it was, I'm it was gonna fight Mitch Marner. I'm gonna fight him. You've ruined the jingle. It is actually a good jingle. Yeah, right yeah. off the top, right out of nowhere too. It caught me off guard. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, there goes that. But I think that'll go ahead and wrap up our episode for the night. Um, as always, we'd like to thank you all for tuning in to for listening to the show and enjoying this podcast with us. Uh, if you found the podcast, whether it's on SoundCloud or on iTunes or just wherever you found this podcast at feel free to give us a like a follow a share five star rating whatever it is if you enjoyed the content subscribe the subscription thing unlike newspapers we don't charge you for a subscription our content is all free except for my jingles i may start charging for those and since a piece put them on the apple store we could have like a whole album (laughs) get a patreon for my jingles but if you really though if you've enjoyed the podcast please feel free to give us a follow, a like, or whatever. It really helps the podcast out, Uh, particularly on iTunes. Ratings count for a lot on that platform. So feel free to give us a five-star if you liked us. And as always, if you want to get in contact with the podcast, you can always email us. The email is stickbladepodcast at gmail.com, all one word. And you can also find us on Twitter. The Twitter handle is at StickBladePod. Again, all one word. So really easy to get in touch with us. There's email and there's Twitter. Um, I try to check both of them before we record to get an idea of whether there's fan mail or not, which, Adam, kudos to you. First two pieces of fan mail. Keep it up, sir. I would like more. Get your friends to listen to this show. But... With that being said, again, we'd like to thank you all for tuning in to uh, listen to this podcast. And as always, this has been another edition of the Stickblade Podcast. You guys have a great evening. Thank Go you. Go Red Wings. <laughs>